Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's Elliot Clough here again on Believe in the New Orleans Pelicans. A little bit different of an episode today. Today I was joined by Matt Moderno of Believe in the Wizards. Matt has worked with ESPN, Draft Express, Fansided, and a couple different other media outlets. Um, You can check that out, what I tweeted about this podcast. You can see some of the other stuff that he's done but uh, a guy who's really informed and guy who knows what he's talking about. Um, today we talked about how the coronavirus will affect the rest of league play, how the Pelicans will proceed, whether or not they'll be able to get into the playoffs. Zion, maybe still, probably not, but maybe, winning work Rookie of the Year. And then Brandon Ingram possibly, most likely, re-signing with the Pelicans. That's the team that I cover. And hey, if the regular season is over, maybe we know who the Pelicans will be picking in this year's NBA draft. You're going to have to stick around to find out. Once again, here is my conversation with Matt Moderno of Believe in the Washington Wizards. All right, I want to welcome in Matt Moderno. Moderno? Moderno. Moderno, I, I heard that like five minutes ago and totally forgot already. So <laughs> good good start here. But we've got Matt Moderno um, of Believe in the Wizards podcast joining us today. Very excited for this. How you doing today, Matt? Uh, good. Good to be on. Looking forward to it. We are as well. So on the last podcast that I recorded just uh, a couple days ago, I, I said you know, this is tough. We want to get, we use sports to, to get away from the rest of the real world. Right. And and right now it's just difficult to do that. So we got to talk about the coronavirus today and um, how it's affecting the league. Uh, you know, there's so many different ways that this could shake out. I outlined three of them on the show on Tuesday and said that really the regular season could be short, uh, shortened. The playoffs could be shortened and um, we could really just go straight into the playoffs. We really don't know how the future is going to shake out. W- what are you thinking, Matt? On our podcast, we were we were a little split. My co-host uh, thought they would kind of jump right into the playoffs. Uh, I I would be surprised if there isn't uh, some amount of a, a regular season. Just it, it'd be hard to say, hey guys, not only have you not played any games, you haven't been able to practice with each other for very long, and. Uh, now here you go. It's it's game one of the the first round of the playoffs. So I, I would imagine there's at least you know four or five games, something like that, for people to get their feet under them. Um, but but I, you know I can't imagine it being too extensive. And, and I guess Mark Cuban came out today and or yesterday and said he expects that uh, play will resume sometime in May, mid May, which I that's his hunch. Uh, I was very shocked to see that. 
I heard that today too. I, I was listening to the herd and I heard a couple other things that we'll, we'll talk about in a second here, but, um, I was shocked to hear that too. I mean, even without fans, like obviously that's the way we're going to have to start with, with this pandemic going on, but like, it, it's just shocking. I mean, Trump said that we want to get back to normal by Easter. There's absolutely no way that's happening. I think we're all on the same page with that. But I mean, when I said in reference to the playoffs on Tuesday, I was thinking October, definitely not May. It's, it's, it's craziness. I, I just didn't expect that at all. Um, you know, I looked at the Pelican schedule to come in, uh, to come up here. They've only got 18 games left. Um, that's what four to six weeks probably of a regular season. I mean, I think they could fit it in. I, I mean, you said four or five games at least to get their legs under them, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I think a lot of that comes down to logistics and, and how do you free up the stadiums in time or, or do you even play them at stadiums? I think even if they started in another, you know, two months, it would be without fans would be my guess. Um, so I, I would have to think that they're playing these games in, in whether practice facilities with cameras or smaller arenas. Um, but it wouldn't be the traditional here's 17,000 cheering fans, you know, ready to watch. Right. There's no way the 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 government at least wouldn't allow that to happen, even if the NBA wanted it to. So um, it's just something that we're going to have to continue to wade through. Um, once I mean, like you said, I'd be shocked if we were back in May and um, heard this. This is a topic that Nick Wright and, and Colin Coward discussed today. Um, the thinking was, on as far as uh, Nick Wright was saying, was that this would benefit teams like, the Lakers who have been all in all season, as opposed to a team like the Clippers who have been approaching the season, like a, like a marathon, you know, they, they're load managing Kawhi and Paul George every so often. But in my, my opinion, I would have to say that this would benefit, you know, as, as the Pelicans sit right now, they're not getting in the playoffs, but in my mind's eye, this would benefit those younger teams who haven't... I mean, Zion hasn't even been playing the majority of the season. He's got fresh legs. I think this would benefit teams like the Grizzlies, who are young, not guys who are 35 still playing in the league. Uh, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think you would see uh, um, some some change in tactics. The teams like um, Toronto that have sort of mixed in some pressing and stuff like that this year, uh, that that kind of thing I think would be a little more prevalent than normal because guys aren't, like you said, you know, 100 games into the season. I think people forget that, you know, the NBA pre- the preseason is, is pretty grueling too. So by the time you even get to the playoffs, you're, you're pushing 90 some games uh, and now you've got to... And those are people that played over the summer and Team USA and things like that. So I think you're 100% right that, that someone um, like New Orleans or, or Memphis or whoever ends up getting that last spot would, would be ready to go. You know, <laughs> it could be very well vice versa. With a fresh LeBron James, that's terrifying. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, how long has it been since we've actually even seen that in a playoffs? Uh, you know, most years he plays 100 games and then does some some amount of commitment over the the summers. So he, he's coming into each season, you know, with not a ton of rest. So, so being reasonably fresh, uh, I wouldn't want to play LeBron, you know, on a, on a lot of rest. Absolutely. But, uh, you know, 
arguably best player in the world. With KD hurt, Giannis is obviously playing at a high level, but LeBron's been doing it for so long. He's uh, arguably still the best player in the world at 35, which is which is pretty crazy. But um, you mentioned Memphis, or I'm sorry, you mentioned Milwaukee and, and Giannis. Uh, that's a team that I think really benefits from this because he was obviously um, having some knee issues and. Now he gets a chance to rest and, and come into things, you know, potentially fresher too. So that, that really favors them. Absolutely. And the way he plays is it's so downhill and that can't be easy on, on your body at all. Yeah, exactly right. So looking at the Pelicans specifically, you know, I, I looked at the remainder of their schedule, like I said, and um, there's 18 games left and, and breaking it down um, like I did on the show on Tuesday it's, they're playing the Spurs three times, the Grizzlies twice, Clippers once, Jazz once, Kings once. So that's eight games of their 18 games, and, and those are pretty tough opponents. I mean, they've beat Memphis twice. The Spurs are obviously still the Spurs and Clippers, Jazz, and the Kings were playing really good ball uh, before the season came to an abrupt break. But uh, ideally, I and this is an absolute ideal, ideal world, the Pelicans are able to get the rest of their season and they are able to squeak out 14 and four, maybe go up to above 500 before the end of the season. And it would take a little bit of a collapse from the, from the Grizzlies who are, I believe they're three games above the Pelicans as we sit right now. But um, do you think there's any chance that they have the ability to make the playoffs if we're able to get the entirety of the season? From from what I'd seen down the stretch, uh, they they looked like a playoff team to me. Um, you know, the depth makes a big difference in, under normal circumstances. Uh, you know, that there might be top heavier teams than New Orleans, but there's just like you know guys six through ten can all reasonably contribute. I think, which is surprising for a young team, but but young fresh legs enables you to to do a lot of a lot of things that a lot of teams can't. Like, I would rather take. Um, you know, guy number nine on the Pelicans, whoever you decide that is, whether it's Etwan Moore or someone like that, uh, ahead of number guy number nine on the Lakers or, or whoever, uh, even at the top of the Western Conference. But uh, just just looking at them compared to the other teams in the hunt, I think the dimension that, that Zion adds to the team, if you have him healthy, have JJ Redick healthy to spread the floor. Um, and and Brandon Ingram's been doing you know Brandon Ingram things. Uh, I, I I like their chances. I think that's a long winded way of saying that that I actually thought that they would they would end up with the eighth seed if things had continued on a normal path. I mean, it's just tough to judge right now because we just don't know the future, and that's just going to be the theme of sports talk for the next however many months where we're at. But the Pelicans do sit at tenth currently at twenty eight and thirty six, where the Grizzlies are in that eighth spot at thirty two and thirty three, and then between them, there is the Portland Trailblazers. So um, we'll we'll see. And I think the only way the Pelicans have a shot of making the playoffs this year is if we get the entirety of the season and the COVID-19 stuff will have to chill out a lot quicker than we're expecting it to in order for that to probably happen. But, um, the NBA talked, the NBA talked a lot about, um, you know, ways to kind of mix up the format over the off season and talked about like play-ins for the last couple spots of the playoffs. Uh, I mean, I I hope they would consider something like that, you know, a seven place 10 and an eight place nine, whatever, whatever the specific details are around that. But, 
especially if you're not going to have an, a full regular season. I think, you know, the, the races are close enough. You, you got to give folks like somewhat of a chance. It, it would be hard to just say, all right, you're in the eight seed now. Things are done. You know, let's let's kick things off. So if they even did, uh, you know, a one game playoff or seven plays 10 and 10 has to win two games in order to, to get the spot, something like that, I think I would take my chances if I were New Orleans in sort of a, you know, a, a sudden death uh, setup like that. I didn't even think about that in, in putting together that list that I had. Um, that yeah, I mean, that would be an interesting move, especially when we're still technically in the same season um, to to make a move like that. And obviously, they're going to have to work around where we're at, no matter what. Um, but adding a couple teams to the playoffs is obviously unparalleled. We haven't had that happen before, and. The thing about that too is the NBA wants the Pelicans in the playoffs. Like they're not going to do they're going to do everything they can to get Zion in the playoffs basically. I I agree and and this is one of those things where especially if you look at the Eastern Conference uh as someone who covers the Wizards, uh no offense to my own team, there's not a ton of excitement about seeing them sneak in or Orlando or uh even, you know, Brooklyn without Kyrie, but but on the Western Conference side, there's there's a couple big name people vying for that spot. I mean, John Morant's been pretty exciting. Obviously, Dame Lillard's in the mix. You've got Zion. Like, no matter where they end up, I think they get somebody that could get them some ratings. So, uh, I, I think you're right. The the you know the amount of national TV games that the Pelicans got before the year uh, says a lot about you know the the interest level from the NBA, but. The, you know, if Dame Lillard's your consol- consolation prize. That, that's still pretty good. Exactly. You know, that 7-10 matchup isn't necessarily favorable for the Pelicans here. They'd be matched up with the Mavs, assuming we were to go into it right now with the records as they currently sit. But, um, yeah, I, I don't think it would hurt at all to do, like you mentioned, a sudden death. If anything, just give them one game. I don't think that hurts at all. When, when when teams are kind of bunched together, like, you know, it, it's probably more eight, nine and 10 are closer together, but you know, it, it's, it's, it makes you say every game counts when, when you don't have um, a lot of wiggle room like that or a safety blanket. So we did mention Zion there. Obviously we, we got to talk about his potential, I guess the potential of him winning the rookie of the year award, despite only playing however many games coming back in January and not playing that first, basically half of the season. Whereas John ja Morant has played the entirety of it. Matt, what do you think? Do you think that Zion has a chance of winning rookie of the year, even if we don't have the rest of the season? I think it would have been a lot more interesting and compelling if, if they had played the other 18, 19 games that would put him, you know, close to 40. That's like around half the season. It's a little easier to, to make a case for it at that point. Um, you know, Morant's been relatively healthy. A lot of people compare to this to the the rookie of the year race where it was, you know, Joel Embiid versus um, Malcolm Brogdon. And at the time, you know, I don't think anyone realized Brogdon would be as good as he actually is. But it was, okay, do we favor a guy that's done this consistently over the course of a season or a guy that's like unbelievably spectacular? Um you know, for 30 games or 31, I think was what Embiid played. I, I would say that the delta between Embiid's high end and Brogdon's high end was a lot bigger than Zion's impact and Morant's impact. So I, I think it would be a really, really tough sell for people. But 
Um, there are enough people that are so pro Zion. He'll, he'll definitely get more votes than I think people would expect, especially, you know, if he could get a couple extra regular season games. I'd have to agree with you. And looking at these stats here, I mean, Jaws played literally 40 more games than Zion this season. Zion's played just 19. Um, you, you can look at the stats, the stats, excuse me, and make a bit of an argument, but Jaws still averaging 176 Uh, points per game 6.9 assists and three and a half rebounds while shooting 49 percent from the field i mean looking at zions too we got to give a bit of a reference here 23.6 points per game uh 6.8 rebounds and he's shooting 58 percent from the field so um zion's just absolutely transcendent he's he's polarizing he's yeah he, <laughs> I've said enough about uh, Zion on the New Orleans Pelicans podcast, but uh, yeah, the the impact the, the impact is huge. The fact that they they looked kind of dead on arrival, um, you know, thirty games ago, and and just the slow buzz of him getting back into things, and then the way they've looked with him in that lineup, it's just the the added dynamic is is pretty impressive. If he'd averaged. If he'd have finished the next 19 games or whatever, averaged, you know, and been averaging 25 points and eight or nine rebounds, and Morant was down to like 15 and six or something like that, that would have been maybe around where somebody could try to make a strong argument. But uh, it's just the, the games played always factors into things like this. You always hear national writers, hey, I left Kawhi Leonard off of the all NBA teams because he only played 60 games this year. Like, if that's the kind of scrutiny those things are under, only playing 40 uh, would pretty much knock you out of it, I think. I'd have to agree with you. And as we currently sit, I, I just I, I would roll with what you said initially about him probably getting more votes than we would guess, but, but ultimately not winning. And, and, you know, if Zion were given the opportunity to not necessarily lead the Pelicans, but aid in their winning ways for the rest of the season say they were to have that dream scenario like I mentioned of going 14 and 4 and the Grizzlies just fell off and maybe Ja got hurt or um, maybe his level of play just didn't measure up to what it used to be maybe the season 82 games really got to him Um, I, I would tend to lean Zion's way obviously as a biased Pelicans reporter um, or coverage guy, podcaster. There we go. We got the word eventually. But um, I, I, I might lean Zion there in that particular circumstance. Yeah, the rookie wall is a crazy thing. Um, I, I think Moran is probably a, a little too good to, to totally fall off the earth there. But we've seen it to happen to guys before where they, they peter out, or excuse me, where they peter out down the stretch and. Uh, Zion looked like he was even, you know, coming on stronger as, as time went on. So it would have been interesting to see how things played out for real. If you play even a couple more regular season games, uh, and also honestly, if, if, if the, the playoff seating is, is probably something that, that people look at too, if the, the Grizzlies were the worst team in the league and, uh, Ja put up numbers that, and the Pelicans were the eight, nine seed that might make things a little different too. Right. And of course, what I mentioned there was definitely a dream scenario for the Pelicans. Uh, and, and it can't work out that way, more or less now, unless we do get the rest of the season. But, you know, we can't talk about the Pelicans without addressing Brandon Ingram and his pending free agency. You know, I, I've 
only really seen or read a couple articles about Brandon possibly leaving the Pelicans this offseason. He's had clearly the best season of his career. He's living in a smaller city as opposed to LA where um, from what I've heard, he really just stayed in his apartment all the time because he wasn't used to the, the big, bigger city life, I should say. Um, I can't particularly see any real reason for him to leave other than money. I, I mean, one of these lower level teams, I could absolutely see offering him a max contract uh, if possible, if their cap allows. But do you have any plausible reasons why he would leave other than money? I would think so. The only situation where I thought that might happen is, let's say, uh, the the Pelicans did what you know the Sixers had done and give everybody a, a red shirt year as a rookie, and and Zion hadn't really played, and you hadn't seen the fit there, or they'd only played a few games, and the fit looked kind of clunky. But but the way he shot from from the perimeter this year. Um, it allows them to be able to kind of play next to each other uh, better than I think a lot of people may have envisioned. And that sort of added dimension from him, it, it makes it a little more reassuring, I think, that that they could be a really good tandem long term. The, the only reason you wouldn't resign if you're him is if you say, oh, we play the same position or ideally they want to play us at the same position and and that doesn't work. You know, for as good as Zion is, it's tough to have more than one non-shooter on the court at a time. And, and Lonzo balls helped his, you know, his case to be there long-term by shooting better as the season's gone on. And, um, but, but it's hard to put, you know, if Ingram's only a mid-range guy and you've got him next to Zion, that, that probably doesn't work. And I would have been surprised if he'd have stayed, but the way he shot it, the way they've looked together, it, it just seems to make a lot of sense. And, and, They've already said, I, I think, if I remember this correctly, David Griffin basically said, like, we're going to give him the bag. We're going to we're going to offer him what he wants. So I would be really shocked, like you said, to not see him there next year. Which really makes sense. David Griffin, one of the best uh, front office guys in the league, if I do say so myself. Um, I think something that the Pelicans definitely need to address, and, and we'll talk about it here, um, is to get preferably – you know, the ideal would be a three and D guy. That's that's what the Pelicans are really in need of right now. A, a scoring wing who can lock up your uh, opponent's best player, um, if at all possible. But more shooting absolutely never hurts. You know, they've got Bi, they've got uh, yeah, Drew, um, JJ Redick, and then Zoe has absolutely stepped up and he was shooting at a clip we've absolutely never seen before. Um, but more shooting definitely never hurts against a guy who can play bully ball with more or less anybody in the entire league as your power forward. I think if you're if you're David Griffin right now, you you have to sort of make a decision one way or the other. Like, hey, we're we're gonna try to make the playoffs next year, but we're gonna still look at this as a longer term term thing and and try to build and and we're gonna be patient. Or you can kind of do what Philly did and say like, all right, we're making some, you know, like contending level moves and either they work out or they don't. But if, if you're trying to go a little more all in, I think maybe you start to package up some of these guys that um, could be contributing role players on, on other teams and, and look for, you know, maybe one more guy to make you a little top heavier and, and make the top like six, seven of the rotation a little stronger because you know, unless some of these guys take a big jump, like Nikhil Alexander Walker's shown a couple flashes, but hasn't looked like the player people thought he would be after the preseason. 
Josh Hart's been pretty solid. He's got some potential if you're a contending team. Do they keep favors long-term, or have they seen enough from Jackson Hayes? Could Okafor help somebody? So if you could start to bundle up a couple of those guys and and add like maybe a bigger piece, like, again, this is the name everybody's loved this year, but like a Robert Covington or somebody like that, um, that, that might be something interesting to consider. Or you throw in whatever the lottery pick looks like and you go for an even bigger name. Uh, that that might be one thing I could maybe see them considering, but I, I wouldn't go that route at this stage of development if I were them. I would have to agree. You know, we were addressing the possibility of shipping a package of guys, and I really think if they were going to do that and the move was to compete now, they would have done it at the trade deadline this year. It would have been tough this year just because you hadn't really seen what Zion was about. And um, I think making it like a bigger move probably looked a little less realistic at that point when before you'd kind of seen all your pieces together. And and that was still like, let's evaluate. Let's see who fits into our long term plan. Now, if you're Griffin, you've seen enough of these guys in person to kind of have a good sense of, all right, can this guy be a factor for us longer term? Um, Can can we keep uh josh hart or do we think you know xylan cheatham can spread the floor enough to come in next year and play some spot minutes off the bench like those are the types of things i think they'll they'll start making you know like final decisions on right around now fair enough so looking forward in a different way looking forward to the draft if the regular season is over, you know, the, it's looking like the Pelicans are going to be slated for a very middle pick at the end of the lottery. Um, as far as draft needs, I mean, I kind of set it there. Probably a 3 and D guy is what they would like. But I personally think the Pelicans are definitely in a position to draft best player available. What are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the way the league structured, every team could benefit from going for a wing player, um, and that's sort of a, a high point in this draft. I think there there are plenty of guys like uh, Isaac Okoro from Auburn um, is one name that that kind of comes to mind right off the bat, or, or Dennis Vassell. Um, there 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 are plenty of guys that um, that people could, could kind of look to 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 bolster the wing depth, but. If you're if you're New Orleans, you're not bad off in any position. Uh, like you could say Ingram's technically a wing or Hart's a wing, or you could even play ball some, you know, at the three if you needed to. So I, I wouldn't say like we got to reach for for someone uh, ahead of our pick. So if, uh, you know, let's say they go up to five in in the lottery and get a little lucky and you've got somebody like Wiseman Falls or something like that, I wouldn't be opposed to taking a big and, um, just kind of letting it sort itself out over the next couple of years. I'd agree with you there. If by some miracle they're able to squeak into the top five, I mean, we didn't expect them to get the number one overall pick last year. So, um, you know, miracles happen. I wouldn't be opposed to a guy like like an RJ Hampton or, or I'm not sure, Denny avdija you know who i'm talking about there yeah, avdia <laughs> yeah the, the israeli kid um sure. yeah he's he's maybe more of a four in the nba yeah, just because he's kind of slow but uh hey yeah you couldn't go wrong with somebody kind of in the the gallinari mold 
Definitely. Well, hey, Matt, I want to thank you for joining me today here on the Believe in the New Orleans Pelicans podcast. How do we follow you on social media? How can we check out your current podcast? Uh, yeah, I'm at Matt Moderno on Twitter, um, or you can follow us at Believe in Wizards, B-L-E-A-V in Wizards. And uh, we're, we're doing a weekly podcast, so my co-host and I, Larry Hughes, uh, will be recording on Thursday and hope to have something out by Thursday evening. Yes, that's Larry Hughes, the former Wizards player. Also, he played with the Cavs in the league, right? Played with LeBron? This man is unreal. He played with Allen Iverson in his first stop. He played with Gilbert Arenas in his second stop, Michael Jordan in his third stop, Arenas again, and then toward the tail end of his career, played with LeBron James. Uh, How do you beat that in terms of teammates? Yeah, I don't think you do. I think, uh, yeah, I think you got a W as far as your co-host goes, (laughs) for sure. Absolutely. Well, hey, once again, thanks again, Matt, for joining us. Absolutely. Hopefully we'll get to to see some basketball and maybe we can see the, the Pelicans sneak in after all. Hey, Pelicans fans, Elliot here once again. I want to thank you for tuning in today. An awesome episode with Matt Moderno of Believe in the Washington Wizards. And of course, I got to give you that reminder like I do at the end of every episode. Go follow me on Twitter. You'll be getting a lot of sports content there. Links to the pods, all of that good stuff. It's at Elliot Clough, E-L-I-O-T-C-L. O-U-G-H. And if you have any questions, want to voice your opinion on a podcast, I want to hear from you. Just at me or hashtag what the Pell is up. And while you're here, subscribe, leave a rate and a review. That really helps out the podcast. The more you do that, the better guests and the better quality content will be able to get to you. Follow Believe on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And you can check out a plethora of their other podcasts on Believe.com or just head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Play. And I've got an article coming at you here within the next couple days on what we talked about today, Zion possibly having a chance at winning Rookie of the Year. But we'll just have to see. Don't forget to shoot me those questions. Don't forget to at me on Twitter. Let me know what your thoughts are. Even if you disagree with me, I don't care. I'm just trying to interact with y'all. Of course, you can at me or hashtag what the Pell is up. Once again, I am Elliot Clough, and this was Believe in the New Orleans Pelicans. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.